Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald. New Frontiers in Functional Medicine is here every month, bringing you the best minds in functional medicine. And we would not be able to do this over the years without the generous contributions from our sponsors, Metagenics, Integrative Therapeutics, and Biotics Research. The mission of Metagenics is to lead the movement in making personalized nutritional intervention the standard of care in the treatment and prevention of disease and the promotion of optimal health. For over 30 years, Metagenics has been dedicated to scientific discovery, innovative products, unparalleled quality, education, and practitioner partnerships to support lifestyle functional nutrition. For more information, visit Metagenics at metagenics.com. Biotics Research. For four, over 40 years, the foundations of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And today, of course, is no exception. I'm thrilled to be chatting with my longtime friend and fellow naturopathic physician, Dr. Gio Espinosa. Let me give you a little bit of his background. You're, you're likely familiar with him already, but uh, for those who have not listened to Dr. Espinosa, he's a naturopathic functional medicine physician uh, like myself, but he is uh, a recognized authority in urology and men's health. Uh, he's on faculty at New York University Langone Health. He's also on faculty with me over at IFM. Um, he teaches in the AFMCP. As an avid researcher and writer, Dr. G has authored a numerous scientific papers and books, including the best-selling prostate cancer book, Thrive, Don't Only Survive. He's the chief medical officer and formulator at the male-focused nutraceutical company, XY Wellness. Uh, he also co-founded um, and writes the popular, on the popular male health website, drgeo.com. Dr. Espinosa, welcome to New Frontiers. <laughs> Kara, such a pleasure. Thank you. Finally, we made it happen, huh? Finally, we made it happen. Yeah, it's about time we do, we like hunker down and talk about men's health. God, that, men. That's uh, right. You know, my apologies. It, 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 took you, it took you a while. And yeah, it took me a while. matter too, you know. We I know, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. When I when I asked you, I said, you know, I don't think I want to email you. I said, I don't I don't know that I've really had a men's health podcast. And you winged you. You emailed me back in, in five seconds and you said, yeah, no, you haven't. FYI. <laughs> well, I got I'm, a really quick response. <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> talk to me about how you ended up focusing on men's health. So, you know what? It's something that just found me. Uh, so while I was training in uh, naturopathic school, uh, doing my uh, clinicals, uh, for some odd reason, and it could be, uh, I don't know, the universe, it could be luck, whatever. Um, I just kept seeing a lot of men, uh, and they wanted to see me. Well, meanwhile, the other uh, student clinicians were seeing uh, more women. 
And so I said, all right. But I was, uh, there was at that time, I wasn't thinking of mental health. I was just thinking, all right, these are the patients I have, and let me do another prostate exam and keep it moving. Um, then uh, shortly after, while I was still in school, I did uh, an internship um, in a urology office here in the Upper West Side in Manhattan. And I, I just quite honestly became fascinated with, uh, with men uh, uh, as, as patients. Um, I, I, I became more curious, um, certainly to figure out male conditions, but to figure, even to figure me out as a man. Uh, and that curiosity has not, you know, has not ended uh, 20 something years after um, in, terms, in terms of really figuring out the male gender biologically, hormonally, endocrinologically endocrinologically, uh, psychologically, uh, I, I'm really fascinated with the whole thing. So then I did, um, uh, after that, I did a, 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 like a fellowship at the Columbia University Department of Urology under Aaron Katz for five years. And I really honed in on everything that has to do, you know, urology and men's health. Um, I really honed in on the conventional and medical approaches. Uh, a lot um, to the point where I was in the OR and things of the sort. And then I transferred over to NYU where I am now, Department of, Department of Urology, and I've been there for 11 years, again, doing what I do. So I think at this point, I have a good grasp of both sides very well, which I think is really important because when they when patients do need a medical treatment, whether it's a pharmaceutical or a procedure, I think that I'm, um, I'm able to say, yeah, look, we've tried everything here. Uh, I think you need to move on and do the next thing. That's such a gift. Yeah, I, I can. I think so. I, mm -hmm. What a gift! Well, you're a beautiful body of training, an enviable body of training in both, you know, uh, natural slash functional medicine, and then the larger, mm -hmm. you know, uh, community. So, yeah. all right. Well, let's cut to the chase. We have a lot to cover. I, I likely will. We'll just have to do a part two or have a, a you know get you on for a, for a blog or you know we do, this is just such a rich area and we've got a lot so mm -hmm. men die earlier a lot a lot younger than women mm -hmm. eight years mm -hmm. you said yeah. why is that so when we put suicide aside because uh, suicide is a big component of it and men when they try to commit suicide, they're oftentimes successful. When women often try, they're not successful. So women would drink a bottle of pills and still survive. Men would throw themselves off the bridge or shoot themselves. So let's put putting that aside. Um, men are pro more predisposed to can uh, cancers uh, than women, and they die from cancers more than women. Um, heart, heart disease is more of a common scenario for men uh, more than women, though after menopause, it, it kind of somewhat equates itself, but men would die from it more often than women. Why is that? Well, women tend to, they seem to take better. We could always look at the hormonal element of things um, mm. um, in terms of testosterone and things of the sorts. Um, so, but that's more theoretical and that's, these are, there's decent theories. For example, men are more aggressive when they have very high testosterone and they're very irritable and aggressive when they have very little testosterone actually. I always say when um, in men with uh, andropause, let's just call mm -hmm. it that for now, um, mm -hmm. whoever they are prior to that change in hormone, they, they're 10 times more of that afterwards. So if they're an aggressive type, they're going to be very aggressive with more testosterone, or they're going to be very aggressive when they, their testosterone is depleted. Um, in general, men don't want to, uh, men don't see doctors. They don't want to, it's too vulnerable, too risky, too uncomfortable. So then 
until like a limb is falling off, then they'll go. Women seem to be more proactive. They go, they get checked up more often. That's changing little by little, particularly when men find a functional medicine doctor. I think they're they're more um, open to that type, our type of medicine um, uh, than, than not. But but in general, I think those are the reasons and they just, men take, tend to take, uh, women take, uh, tend to take better care of themselves and more on top of things from that perspective than, than men. What about, what are the statistics on cognitive decline, Alzheimer's? Is that higher in men? No, it's hard. So the only, so the only thing that, the only one thing that women, that, uh, that a particular condition is higher in women than men is Alzheimer's. Hmm. So while Alzheimer's does exist in men and, and, and my high school football coach had it and died from it or with it, um, it's the only one out of the top 10 conditions that uh, afflict humans that um, affect women more than men. So, all right, what can we, what, what might we be thinking about as providers to um, engage men in, you know, self-care? Um, men don't care about health. We have to be honest and straightforward with that. Um, and, and I'm always honest and straightforward with that with, with men and my patients. Let's be honest. You don't care about health. It takes one to know one. Um, <laughs> you care about, <laughs> you care about performance. Performance right. is more important than anything else. Right. And then you start caring about your health when, um, uh, when something happens that interferes or, 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 or becomes a, uh, 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 interferes with your performance, whether it's in the boardroom or the bedroom, mm-hmm. um, or when, or when more, when you fa- when you're facing mortality. Yeah. Um, I find that cause I, I see men and I see their spouses that, um, men are, um, just more fearful about certain things. So while we act tough in general as a whole, and we are CEOs more often than women, and, you know, we look like we're kicking butt and oftentimes they are. Um, I find that there's an imbalance in courage with men. What does that mean? That means that they're super courageous in closing the deal. And that's a drive. And, and they want to lift weights. And some of them want to run marathons and, and do the business stuff. But they're super um, weak. <laughs> we are super weak and not so courageous in certain elements. And facing our mortality it's definitely one of those things. So this is one of the reasons why I actually uh, enjoy uh, in, in working with men with prostate cancer, because there's a good chance that once a, a man is diagnosed with prostate cancer, there's a very good chance that they won't die from it, but they still got diagnosed with the C word. So mm-hmm. now they're like, oh, shoot. So they make the, these, these are the best patients because they really take, do a good job in taking care of themselves because of their diagnosis. Right. So men have to be diagnosed. To, to be healthier. Right. The bottom Unless, line. You know, it's interesting. Um, what it's making me think about though, like how, how we could engage men is if it's, if it's, if it's, is if it's performance driven, like I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm looking at epigenetics these days and, and we ran mm-hmm. a, a cool study that showed some reversal of biological aging. And what, as I've been getting into the gerontology or the anti-aging science, it's 
you know, the top scientists are really mostly men. There's less women and the, and sort of the top anti-aging biohackers tend to be men. And there's this really intense male energy in the field. I find it so interesting, but it makes exact, it makes good sense. I mean, they're all, you know, they're really gunning for mortality and there's a high, high um, or immortality, excuse me. And there's a high level of motivation for men to do it and get it right. It's kind of extraordinary, you know, intermittent fasting, you know, ultra marathons, et cetera. And I'm, you know, my, I guess I'm having a little epiphany, Gio, that you've obviously had a long time ago, but if we kind of, <laughs> if we presented our medicine, you know, in a, in, in a way that sort of tapped that energy, I, I, perhaps we would, um, you know, really engage men in, in, in health. Is that, would you agree with that? What do you think? Or no? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think there's a little bit of a shift going on. I've seen it and acknowledge it myself. Um, but I think I think in generalism, look, it's 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 the uh, um, um, it, it's driven by tech uh, people in the yeah. tech field. Uh, so um, so there is uh, there's a little bit of a shift that at least many of the people that I've seen have have bought into. The thing is that they're just too busy. They're trying to make more money and and provide for their families. So right. if so, my main message to men, and I get it. I, I, I'm again, I'm one. Yes. Um, providing uh, for our families is is is, is this, this goes this is just natural, right? This is goes goes back from you know thousands of years. We go hunt, bring the food, um, and and so that's sort of how we're wired evolutionarily. Um, and I get it. Um, but in order for us to do that well and do it in a long game. Right. So the conversation is, how do we do this in the long game? Not just this is provide and then that's it. And God forbid something happens. No. How do we do this so that we can do it way beyond the age of 65, 70, 75, 80? I have a patient, 88, who's still working and loves what he does and is very good at what he does. Um, and he everything he does, he, his daily regimen um, is such in such a disciplined manner that um, that he, he he's able to perform well. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I think that, and I'm all on that male optimization, male anti-aging bandwagon. I I'm loving all of it. Um, and I think that, you know, I think if you ask me, Hey, what's your, what's your mission? I think my mission is my bigger mission. So most people would know me as a prostate doctor at this time, just because I talk a lot about it and, and I see a lot of prostate cancer and BPH prostatitis and those kinds of things and hormones and things like that. I think if, if you, I think the, what I'm, my mission in my work is how can men live longer and better as they age, not decline, but actually live better as they age. And this is happening often. And, and I think that prostate issues and erectile dysfunction and low testosterone is what gives me that opportunity to work with these guys. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's powerful what you said, you know, get diagnosed with the C word and, you know, you, 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 chances are you crack open. Well, let's just, I want to talk about, um, we've got a lot to talk about, but bef before we jump into talking about, you know, testosterone and, and, and prostate health specifically, give me just, give me some basics of what you're thinking about with um, men's health. Like, you know, what are the, what's a foundational solid lab panel that we want to look at? You know, what's a foundational yeah. decent diet, et cetera, you know, a foundational supplements that you would be thinking about with most of your male patients. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, I, I'm just smirking because I'm like, all right, how do I condense all that? Information? I know. Right. And you have a sentence. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> well, and then, let me just let me put the cherry on top here. In a way that's going to be doable. That like so that 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 a man's yeah. actually going to say, okay, I'll take this lab slip to Quest, or you know, okay, I'll take these three supplements yeah. or whatever. Like, what are your core thoughts here? Yeah. So, uh, I, so what I would do with a man. So I, I do this all the time. It's not every day. So the panel looks like this. Look, there's a simple lipid panel. And I know we can get into an NMR, NMR lipo, lip, lipo, uh, lipo uh, profile and things of the mm -hmm. sort, and we can get into lipo A's and things like that. I think that part of what, I, what I'm trying to accomplish is two things. Number one, what is the data that I need that um, with that data, I can make changes with what I prescribe to help them get better, right? So it's very important. Sometimes I feel like um, we can just order labs and we don't really do much with that lab. I, I try to be very, I try to function with intent. Uh, when I order labs. The other thing is I'm trying to do is how can I, what's the labs that I need to, to get uh, along with giving me important data that I can also have a conversation with their practitioner about um, their, either they may have a, a GP or they may have a, a urologist. So, and then with the other data that I think it's important to make changes and to prescribe and to see how they're doing that I can't talk to their GP about because they don't know about, right? So this is their functional types of labs, right? The functional labs, um, whether it's Genova or, um, or, um, or you know, different types of urine tests for checking for hormones and things like that, Dutch tests and things like that. So um, as, as, a right, as, as a just off the cuff panel, I think that you know, lipid panel, hemoglobin A1C, so you wanna look at insulin resistance, of course, um, everything that has to do with that hemoglobin A1C, insulin, fasting glucose, uh, you want to look at testosterone, free testosterone, SHBG, um, estradiol. Um, you want to look at um, you. You want to look at uh, 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 PSA, of course, PSA and free PSA. That's one that could be another conversation. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of controversy with PSA, but the bottom line is that uh, it is indeed helpful. Uh, we could talk about that for another two minutes a little bit later on. But yes. PSA, free PSA. Um, free percentage PSA. Um, we look at, I look at IGF-1. Um, oh, okay. um, yeah, I do look at IGF-1 because it's been closely linked with prostate cancer. So higher oh. GF-1 linked to prostate cancer. So I do look at that. Can you tell me, I mean, it just, it's real, just interesting, you know, as far as longevity as well, you know, we don't want to yeah, have correct. It either too high or too low. Do you know your reference range off the top of your head? If you don't, you know, I can just off can the top me. of my yeah. head. Uh, 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 off the top of my head, I have. I, I would say that I would probably say something ridiculous. It's like, oh wait, no, that's a, that's testosterone. That's free testosterone. That's not IGF one. So <laughs> off the top of my head, <laughs> right? Like, no, that's not that one. Uh, so I, I would I would hold back from uh, from giving you that range. Um, okay. But you know. Let me, I'll, I'll ping you on it later and, and folks will just pop it in the show yeah, notes. In and, fact, and, we'll actually capture what you've just said. And if there's anything else you want to add, we can pop it in the show notes. And if you have any papers that you'd like us to, um, that folks can reference, uh, you can always throw those our way as well. And we will put them on the show notes. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I think I said estradiol. Interesting about mm -hmm. estradiol, uh, if I may. Um, I may jump around, digress just a tad, but I think it's important to note that um, as it relates to mental health, one would think, hey, lower estradiol better, period, end of story. 
You want that testosterone to to estrogen love, uh, ratio to be significantly wide. And what I would say is that um, you know, estradiol is actually a very important estrogen, very important hormone for for men, as testosterone is an important hormone for women, right? So est- estrogen in, in men, it helps with bone health. It helps with cardiovascular uh, disease. It helps, it helps with even cognition, along with testosterone. So you want that ratio to that, that range to be between 20 to 30. That I know from the okay. top of my head because I do that all the time. I, I, and I'm emphasizing that. And really, you want the testosterone to estrogen ratio to be about 20 to 1. Mm-hmm. Roughly, and then you want the estrogen uh, level to be between twenty to thirty, roughly, mm-hmm. and and so there's good data to support that. That's a very healthy range for men. Wow! As that opposed to nice... just have it at ten or have it lower. You know, I see a lot of our yeah. practitioners that are prescribing aromatase inhibitors. Yes, um, and maybe that's the fine, right thing to do in some cases. But I think that this is not the, you know, estrogen limbo in men. How low can you go? The lower you go, the better it is. This is not that. Right. This I appreciate that. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Think, yeah. Well, we tend, yeah, we always just tend to be concerned about elevation. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Pre- I appreciate that nuance. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I look at cortisol. Again, I look at cortisol. I look at, uh, I want to know how, what their stress levels are. And then I do these um, other tests that I find to be helpful. This urine, uh, dry urine test. Oh, you um, do. You to, do the Dutch panel. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking I about, um, oh, so first if you're doing a Dutch panel, are you doing just the, the salivary cortisol and the cortisol awakening mm-hmm. response? Okay. That's Folks, right. there's, that, there and are... that's pretty much, let me just be clear in my practice. Yes. Um, maybe I do a nutritional panel, but I don't, I don't do much more than that because at some point it, because a little bit I've learned through experience, I don't know what your practice is, but too much of that. Then I find that uh, th- there's not a whole lot of change that I do. I really want to get the information that will, um, encourage me to, 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 to do something that yeah. if I do that, then that will change them one, their, their numbers, but more importantly, their health and how they feel. So yep. that's pretty much it. That, that's not, I don't do a whole lot more than that in my practice. Good. Yep. Yep. That's, I mean, that just, it sounds very like a good, smart collection of laboratory assessments. We do, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know, we've, I've talked to Mark Newman at Dutch and, um, you know, mm-hmm. we've got some blogs in Dutch so people can um, circle over to those if you'd like to learn more specifically what Dr. Gio is talking about with um, that urine assessment. I was going to ask you that specifically. I was curious mm-hmm. about whether you were considering metabolites and, um, yep. and so forth. I, I, I'm not, I'm going to skip doing a drill down there because I think we'll just get in the weeds really quickly because it'll be, we'll just geek out too much and I've got other questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so diet, you know, uh, a core supplement protocol you might be thinking about, um, basic exercise prescription. I just want to finish yeah. up on, on these. Yeah, all right, let's, let's, let's dive right in. Um, diet, here's the, he, so what am I trying to accomplish with diet? The longevity component is always there, um, despite, and then I'm trying to help them with whatever they're coming in with. Typically, they're coming in with either prostate cancer or low T to, or, or, or BPH or prostatitis. So what's the one diet that gives you the most bang for your buck in that regard? Um, it, it, is, it, is, it is the Mediterranean diet. So I'm a big fan of the Mediterranean diet. I think it works very well. I think they do better with fish. 
And if it, and, and it, one caveat is that if, well, there's a decent amount of fat in the Mediterranean diet. I, I, I think that men with a low testosterone need more fat than those with normal testosterone. So them eating a little bit more fat uh, whether it's um, whatever, uh, MCT oil in their coffee or uh, more fish or, you know, Mediterranean diet has a decent amount of fat, I think is actually really important. And I don't think it's just me. I think um, there's some research to support that, that showed, well, it showed that a low fat diet um, was correlated with uh, low testosterone. Um, I think in general, uh, it would be like a Mediterranean diet, nothing sexy there. What I would say is this also, men with prostate cancer, I would not do the ketogenic diet in men with prostate cancer. That's okay. a very important point because yeah. a lot of people are, 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 are prescribed, see them, yes. they're prescribing. Yeah. So because they're, they're reading, you know, they're reading Seafried's work in Boston and so forth, which I think is excellent work. All, most of that work is related, you know, reading great books, tip, tipping over the truth and things like that. Great books. Mm -hmm. um, um, but they're really focused more on glioblastomas and brain tumors, not prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is a whole different beast. And so what people tend to do ex is extrapolate. Well, if it worked for this cancer, it has to work for that one. Not really. Um, um, prostate cancer is not a glycolytic type of cancer like uh, glioblastomas or pancreatic cancer. Um, so it wouldn't work in that scenario. In fact, you can make matters worse. Huh. Um, so... Yeah. Anything, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to guess that it, if it has been published on, you know, keto being contraindicated in prostate cancer, that's, it's limited. Would this be more what you've observed over your years? Or yeah. Over your, okay. So I've written, um, let's see, I sometimes forget, I, I, I sometimes forget what I've written and where is it published, but it's certainly <laughs> not in a journal. Um, I think I've written a little bit in natural medicine journal. And okay. I've, uh, they've been blurbed there. Um, I wrote something extensive on my uh, on my blog on drgeo.com uh, okay. about it. Um, but you kind of what what I did is put the pieces together, right? So what are the pieces? Is prostate cancer glycolytic? Is it a type of cancer like glioblastoma that where there uh, probably ketogenic diet does work, and that's most of the research. The answer is no. Then you look at all the other research suggesting. Um, you know, a high fat diet is actually um, uh, fat. Uh, and of course, there's different types of fats and so forth. But it seems like there's more of a correlation of fat being um, problematic for prostate cancer in terms of making the disease worse than, um, uh, uh, than it is for brain cancer. Uh, so then you kind of connect all those dots, you see what you see, because initially, I drank that Kool-Aid. I, I was all, you know, I was about the, keto, you know, I was all about the ketogenic diet as well. I drank that cool. I said, well, it has to apply here. And what happened, what I did, and now I sort of, to some degree, regret it, but this is why it's called a practice. Um, what I did was, well, if it, <laughs> if it applies there, of course, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Warburg effect is, a, is, is involved in the proxy. Of course it is. And I did, and I saw situations like not work out. Um, not to mention that this was a very difficult diet for people. And I have them say, well, hang in there. Well, try yeah. harder. And it was just not the right thing. Um, so so I, I saw that. I witnessed that clinically. Wow. Okay, um, that, that's valuable. Can I, let me just ask yeah. you a couple of things. So, you, so you're leaning towards higher fat, certain fats, but you're not going full tilt keto. 
Um, and uh, what, I'm sure that it's obviously low glycemic, just all the beneficial pieces of the Mediterranean diet. I just wanna ask you now, while we're talking about prostate cancer and fat, what your position is on flax oil. There was some, mm-hmm. I don't know, what seemed to me to be really poorly conducted research implicating flax yeah. in, in, or alpha linolenic acid in prostate cancer. And then also, you know, DHA and EPA has been somewhat vilified uh, in relation to prostate cancer. What are your opinions there? All right. I love it. I love it because I'm actually for my next book, uh, I've been working hard on that particular topic on fats and prostate cancer and particularly omega-3s and prostate cancer. I think the story is, I think the, I think you're right about the fact that the, um, the correlation between um, alpha-linolenic acid and prostate cancer, that's sort of dubious. What I think is happening there, however, is that when you look at flaxseed oil, I think it's very sensitive, right? So it's very sensitive to heat and air and oxygen, things like that. So I think that um, unless they, someone does a really good job and keeps a tight lid, right container, doesn't leave it open it, on the counter, I think that, that flaxseed oil might be fine. Uh, there's a um, Budwick uh, diet uh, for prostate cancer from way back in the day, early 1900s, I want to say, or from Germany, where... Um, it's really cottage cheese and, 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 and flaxseed oil mixed together. And that's what they ate. That was a, that was a treat. That was a holistic dietary treatment for prostate cancer. Fast forward to now. Um, what I would say is that, um, eat the flax seeds. There might be some benefit with the flax seeds as opposed to just the flaxseed oil. You don't have to kind of just cover your nose and just take the oil. Not necessary. Flaxseed, easy. Um, more data to support, or at least correlation in terms of probable, uh, um, there, there's some benefits there. Um, I have people eat flax seeds uh, prior to their prostatectomy when they need a prostatectomy, for example. Why? Because the data showed that um, people, they looked at molecular tissue before mm-hmm. and after. So they looked at the biopsy tissue, they had them taking flax seeds, did the surgery, they looked at the prostate and they saw, they, they saw some regression of prostate cancer and their prostate post prostatectomy in the group that um, that consumed flax seeds. Wow. Nutridyne is a third generation, family owned and operated practitioner exclusive supplement company, offering a comprehensive catalog of professional grade nutraceuticals. This is Dr. Christy Hughes. I really like their online store because it helps me and my peers with advanced ordering tools. Nutrascripts makes recommending clinically effective products easy for my staff. And Connect Pro. It's a free turnkey personalized e-commerce store for fulfilling my supplement sales. As your partner in healthcare, Nutridyne provides science-based products and educational opportunities so you can concentrate on patient care and manage your practice. For more information, go to Nutridyne.com. And as a special offer, you can take 30% off your first order using the promo code NEW2021. So I look at that information. So what flaxseeds is the right thing, um, and and I'll, I don't have them do anything with you know take or consume flaxseed oil. Sure. With with regards to fish oils and and prostate, I laugh because it's like, man, really? I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it it's it's hilarious. I even have to talk about. It. All right, so the whole. And I'm and I'm almost almost daily I'm a, I'm answering a question on fish, which is what prompted what, what's prompted yeah. me to write a whole 
paper on this. You go. And we need it. You know, we need it. I actually you know, talk about this in the immune module for IFM and and, and every oh, awesome. year for the last 11. Well, just briefly, I mention it. I, I'm ready to put it to bed, but but it'll stay in there because it continues to be an issue. So, yeah, go ahead. And I'm glad you're going to write about yeah. it. Say what, say, so what are your thoughts? <laughs> so here's the deal. All this, as it relates to omega-3 fatty acids and prostate cancer, it all stems from a 2013 paper in the uh, journal JNCI uh, uh, um, by Brasky and et al. from uh, Fred, Fred Hutchinson and out in out west. Making the so they looked at uh, what they did is they looked at the select they looked at the blood samples from the select trial they looked at their their plasma levels the select trial was like from early two thousands right so they have all this data and they looked at uh, data from the select trial. And they they made the association of hey those that those that had more DHA and EPA in their blood had more aggressive disease by about seventy percent more aggressive what disease prostate cancer right so that was the kind of the conclusion of the story and then the media took off with that and it sort of became it's not correlation it's causation so. Omega-3, so I can't tell yeah. you how many emails I answer. So omega-3 fatty acids cause, this is kind of how it was interpreted, um, prostate cancer. And not only prostate, advanced prostate cancer. Right. All right, so then we, I have to dig deep. Bottom line is this. God, there's so many holes in that paper. It's not even funny. One is aggressive prostate cancer. Well, they included Gleason 7s as aggressive prostate cancer in that group. So if they had a Gleason 7 prostate, so Gleason is a way, uh, uh, not Jackie Gleason, is a Gleason score is a method <laughs> of, <laughs> of of measuring the grade of prostate cancer, right? And how aggressive it can be. So it goes from six to 10, the higher the number, the more aggressive it is, right? So a nine and a 10 is very aggressive, right? A six is not much. A Gleason 7 is intermediate, is not considered aggressive. Uh, and that's by the, the, the MECO classification. Um, it's not considered aggressive cancer. So they included that as aggressive prostate cancer. That's number one. Number two, they looked at plasma levels right. of, of EPA and DHA, which really you got to look in order to know what, so plasma levels is like, if I eat a piece of fish today, plasma will, levels will tell me my omega-3s in my blood within the next 24 hours, not within the next right. several years or, or months. Right. So they didn't look at red blood cell. That's number two. Number three, the study suggests that those who ate more trans fats yes. actually had a lower risk of prostate cancer, right. which right. everything and omega sixes, um, which uh, an imbalanced ratio between omega six and three is one of the potential contributors to prostate cancer, which is much of our diet in the standard American diet. So that was another hole right. in that. Um, um, and uh, 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 so that was, so, 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 and, and those with higher omega-6s in their blood also had higher risk of prostate cancer. I mean, so anyway, so the, 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 this, it, it was interesting that this was even published, but the bottom line is that um, and then now, of course, fast forward even seven years after, we know the cardiovascular, if not only the prostate cancer benefits from omega-3s, which I think there's a decent amount of data to support that, 
Mm-hmm. The cardiovascular benefits are really clear by now, so much so that there's two pharmaceutical drugs that's really official, at least EPA. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, um, so I think that um, not only, so that, 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 that caused a huge disservice to yes. men because now men were freaking out and say, well, I don't want my fish oils. Meanwhile, cognition and all these other benefits, that, you know, anti-inflammatory benefits from EPA. Um, um, that's so important. They, they were not consuming. So anyway, so that's, um, I could go on and on about that. The bottom line is that no fish oils are not contraindicated for prostate cancer. The opposite is true. Fish oils are actually beneficial for prostate cancer. And of course, omega-3 from fish oils are beneficial for multiple other things, including cardiovascular disease. Awesome. And then if you're in, and flaxseed is important, take it as, take it as the whole, seed or the I'm assuming I'm assuming Mm -hmm. ground and what can you just can you just tell me how you how you would recommend dosing that like how much flex how much ground flat seed is is a good idea to take daily you know I just tell them two to two two tablespoons a couple of times once or twice a day mix it with whatever smoothies whatever salads so two tablespoons Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. I just really appreciate yeah. that. I'm so, yeah, I'm thrilled to hear that you're just going to tackle this kind of pesky irritant on the, um, yeah. you know, on the, on the health scene and something that we, we get pinged with. Um, okay. Basic supplements. Yeah. So uh, basic supplements. So uh, let's go, I'll tell you my, my top five or 10 let's just say across the board, right? So what gives men their most bang for their buck regardless, right? Regardless of their disease and, and, and maybe give me doses. dosing will change. Give, okay, me, yeah, give sure. me some, give me some basic dosing ideas as well. Cause everybody's going to, yeah. going to ask me and I'm going to sure. end up bugging you about it afterwards. So yeah. top your top 10, sure. with some dosing idea. Go. All right, so vitamin go. <laughs> so 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 vitamin D five thousand units a day. Uh, I do four to five thousand units a day. Um, I have them, and and so I won't go to the. I'll go to a little bit of why, but with vitamin D, I think it's just across the board. Even from a testosterone perspective, anti-cancer benefit, cardio, all the you know now you know during the pandemic, it's pretty clear, uh, et cetera. Um, I do, I, I like four to 5,000 a day. I measure and I see what their numbers are. What I notice is um, that people who take it not only with food, but take it with fat. And that's, I, I still find that I don't think that's emphasized enough. Mm. You, it's a fat soluble supplement. It's a fat soluble vitamin. Yeah. You need to, it's not take with food. It's not take with food. It's take with fat. So if you give 5,000 units with, and they eat food that has some fat, the absorbability is much higher. So then you see their, um, their blood would be, you know, you know, 40, 50, or 60 nanograms per milliliter, depending on size and things like that. I've seen people taking 5,000, it's still below 30. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that's the issue there is absorbability, and they're just not taking it. They say, yeah, I'm taking it with food. They're not taking it with fat. Okay. So that's that. Um, zinc. I think that if you were to you know, put a gun in my head and say, well, what's the number one mineral for men? Well, you know, that's <laughs> like asking me which one of my kids I love the most. But, um, but if you press on it, you're like, no, I would say zinc. I would say zinc. Why? Zinc has a lot of this hormonal aspects of zinc. There's, um, zinc seems to kind of stimulate the latex cells and the testicles that helps with the promotion of, uh, 
of, uh, of uh, uh, production of testosterone. Um, it's good for the prostate. I think the second area in the in the male body that has the most zinc is, is, is the prostate, um, associated with prostate cancer at low levels, et cetera. Um, 30 to 60 milligrams a day, uh, more towards 60 if I'm trying to, uh, uh, if I'm using it for testosterone production. Um, I may give about a, a milligram of copper at 60 and probably not any additional copper before 60 or under 60 milligrams a day. Um, magnesium, again, the other important mineral, that's why I saw, I was like, wow, what's the most important yeah, that's right. mineral? Mag <laughs> <laughs> Where's the magnesium going up there? <laughs> I know, I know. And, and you know, it, it's not necessarily gender specific, as you know. Um, just very important, you know, about 300 uh, pathways in the body that magnesium uses. Uh, certainly for sleep is my, one of my go, a lot of my patients have sleep issues, so magnesium is a um, important component of that. If they have a history of kidney stones, of course, I work in urology. So all these kidney issues are sensitive. I'm sensitive to all these kidney issues. Sure. Um, I give them mostly magnesium citrate, particularly if there's calcium oxalates. Um, if there are no uh, history of kidney stones of things of the sorts, eh, glycinate, malate, you know, some, some of these companies may have like three in one. And, and I think those are fine. Um, that's, that's magnesium. Um, in terms of, um, so there's some botanicals that I'm a really big fan of. Um, curcumin is the king for men. Um, why? You get a lot of bang for your buck with curcumin. You get a lot of bang for your buck. Good for the prostate. The prostate is a, seems to, to be, it easily becomes inflamed. So, so, so I'm going to digress just for 30 seconds real quick. Patient comes in the office, 62-year-old male. He has urinary symptoms. He, he said, well, my doctor said, it's, it's a prostate enlargement, so he gave me some meds for, for prostate. Not always true. Just because they're 62-year-old male, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a prostate issue. It could mean that they have overactive bladder. Or it could mean that they do have, it is squeezing on the urethra, but it's not because they have BPH. It's because they have inflammation and that the, the transitional zone, which is the area around the prostate that surrounds the urethra, that area is inflamed and that may be squeezing. So it's not necessarily a big prostate because I've seen big prostates and have felt big prostates that have no urinary symptoms and, the, uh, and, and vice versa. So what I would say is a curcumin, anti-inflammatory, one of the most potent, um, anti-cancer, one of the most potent, I would say. Um, good for brain health and prevention. You just get a lot of bang for your buck by... Um, reducing chronic inflammation and curcumin sure. to me is one of the strongest. What kind of a curcumin product are you recommending and how are you dosing it? <laughs> the curcumin wars, you mean? The longevitas. <laughs> <laughs> the curcumin wars, I call them. <laughs> Listen, um, I, I use a variety in, in, in a supplementation. So through XY Wellness, we formulate a couple of things uh, for men. And I use C3 curcumin complex. Okay. Um, I like Mariva, for example. I, I, I sometimes I have them take three types, uh, depending on what I'm trying to accomplish. 
So, um, you know, joint health is, is very important for men after a certain age. So I give them a glucosamine. It, it's an okay. To, I mean, I don't have an interest. I do have interest in extra wellness, but not in other things that I may mention. So if, if it's okay with you, I'll just yeah, give, yeah. give people mm-hmm. exactly yeah. what I use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, for, for joint health, I give them, um, I give them glucosamine MSM joint comfort from pure encapsulations. Uh-huh. I love that product. And I do three pills twice a day that has curcumin in it. So I may do three different types of curcumin. Um, but my bias, and again, it's just my, my bias because that's what I've used is three C3 curcumin complex. I, 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 look, I've looked at the research in terms of one better than the one is absorbed more than the other and all that kind right. of stuff. I don't know how, you know, I, I, I just, again, you need to have it with a fat. <laughs> you need yep. to have curcumin. If it doesn't have bioperine, and I don't use bioperine necessarily, um, I use, you know, curcumin that I use has lecithin from sunflower oil. Bottom Mm -hmm. line is have it with fat, uh, and you need to have it with fat. Well, and and I know there's much debate on whether it has to be activated in some way by the microbiome, and it's actually a secondary mm -hmm. metabolite that's doing the Mm -hmm. heavy lifting, you know, in circulation. I think but I, I, I just, I agree with you. I use a, a variety of different ones, but you know, I, yeah, I'd, we, we won't drill down here too much. If you've got some, if you, if you, if there's something that you would recommend folks read, I'm sure people would be interested in learning a little more about um, C, the C3 form that you're using. Yeah, that's like the bin, it's a bin, uh, and, 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 um, they all, you know, it's been a great research, Mariva, great research, Longevita, mm-hmm. great research. You know, uh, 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 what BCM ninety five, great research. Look, as a, I'm also a formulator, so I see the behind the scenes, and I'm like, really, like this one costs like twenty five times more than the other one. I can't use it; it's not a viable product. So you got to keep that into into mind. I mean, the clinician doesn't care. You just want to prescribe the right thing. But sometimes that goes. That's what goes into my mind. So I want to see sure. good research. All of them have good research. Yeah, uh, uh, to support that. Right. But it, it does um, need to be affordable. Yeah. Go, keep going. You know, glucosamine. So aren't you seeing that um, great papers on, I think, I think BMJ uh, showing uh, again, association. Look, I, I'm people poo poo uh, epidemiological observational studies. I don't. The reason why we know that cigarette smoking is bad for you is from observational studies. Right. So I don't necessarily poo-poo it, particularly when I, I, I've been working in academic centers for a long time. I see how hard it is to do randomized trials yeah. with drugs, yeah. with drugs, where there's a lot of money behind it and everything. So to look at the end all be all randomized trial, only go by that, I think in our world is not great uh, approach. So I do consider you know, a, a nice uh, study, that uh, observational study, Mm-hmm. with uh that's that's um powered uh, nicely with thousands of people particularly if it's if it's prospective I, I i do find value there uh so with that regard i saw that glucosamine reduces the risk of all cause mortality and has actually cardiovascular benefits so we all oh. take glucosamine and prescribe it for joint health which studies even randomized studies have shown to be beneficial well now this is side benefit that seems to help with all cause mortality and there's some benefit there from a cardiovascular perspective as well. That's pretty interesting. Okay. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll grab that from you. We'll get that paper for the show notes folks. Okay. Keep going. Yep. Glucosamine is up there now. And it just became, I think that's a 2020 thing for me. Um, huh. I think that wow. before 2020. It's uh, so old school. Yeah, it's so old school for, of you. 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's just like, it's a great, it's a great molecule. It's, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, you're, you're, you're bringing well, it back. What I would, no, in terms of, in term, no, 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 no. In terms of top 10 for me, yeah, that's a 2020 thing. I've been using it for 20 years. But, you know, glucosamine associated with joint health and period, end of story. At least, you know, it's like salt sure. palmetto prostate. Yeah. What do we yeah. do? Meanwhile, salt palmetto has been used for, you know, uh, centuries for urinary problems in both men and women. So we've all created these links and these connections uh, that are may not be totally uh, accurate. Um, but in 2020, when I saw all this other research as it relates to longevity and cardiovascular, I was like, oh, yeah, glucosamine, top 20, uh, top 10 for me. Cool. Botanical, ash, you know, so ad- adaptogenic herbs are my one of my favorite category of herbs, uh, of botanicals. And so ashwagandha is slowly w- winning that war, that battle in my own head anyway, <laughs> at least from a <laughs> male perspective. Love my rhodiola. I mean, love my rhodiola. Love my ginseng. Um, Shizandra, cordyceps. By the way, cordyceps. Cordyceps. In mouth, in my, in my studies have shown, and again, it's my studies, but it's shown to have actually to activate, activate leydig cells in, in men. Why is that important? Leydig cells are testicle receptors for, with LH that uh, starts the production of testosterone. So you want, you want enough leydig cells and you want them to be very sensitive to testosterone. So cordyceps tend to do that. Uh, I would say, uh, and I'm not saying necessarily that cordyceps is one of my top 10, unless, hey, maybe in 2021, it may work its way up there. Um, <laughs> but ashwagandha, ashwagandha is, ashwagandha is um, benefits with cognition, benefits with uh, testosterone production. However, in men that I don't want them, it, it seems it's an adaptogen. So it seems like it doesn't necessarily raise testosterone in men that, you know, for whatever, you know, they just had a prostatectomy and I don't want their testosterone to go sky high. Um, it doesn't do that. But in some other men, along with other protocols, it seems to help. It seems mm-hmm. to help with fertility. It seems to help with stress. It seems to help with just natural energy. And a recent study shows that it's, it, it seems to help with uh, better sleep at night. So ashwagandha, it's up there. It's up there for me. Good. Good. And how would you dose I, it? Ashwagandha, uh, 300 milligrams BID. Okay. You could go 500 BID, in, but I go 300 BID for the most okay. part. Okay. Do you, um, do you prescribe a D with K2? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I pers- let me just say I prescribe K2. So okay. it's either in one formula. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, uh, Designs for Health Omega Avail uh, uh, with D3 and K2. Um, but I, but either I do it separately or come, but together somehow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Actually, I just formulated something for that we call better with age and, um, it's going to come out later on and I have K2 in it with D and a few other things. So yeah, I, I, I am a, I am a, uh, I'm a fan of K2. Good. Yeah. I, I, I figured you were. Yeah. I'm just thrilled about your supplement company, XY Wellness. I look forward to. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Learning more about it. So, all right. So what else? Is there anything else on the. Do we have a couple more here? Where are we? I have um, so so I, I lost count, but man, I got I more. I got I more. I, I got more. I got more. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I like L-citrulline a lot. I like L-citrulline a lot. Huh. Why? Um, promote circulation. Uh, 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 a vasodilator. 
Mm-hmm. Um, important for what? Important for uh, lowering blood pressure. In fact, um, it's shown to lower blood pressure um, in studies. What else? Well, what men, men care about, which is erections and male sexuality. Mm-hmm. So um, it helps with that. And again, it's just been, so I use it quite a bit for a male sexuality, improved circulation. And as a side benefit, it does lower blood pressure. You got to be careful when you prescribe it, however, because L-citrulline is, you know, sometimes you get a, a patient and their blood pressure is like 90 over 60. Yeah. Maybe one out of every 50, 100 patients, you get a patient and that's their normal blood pressure. You give them a lot of L-citrulline, they, they're going to feel a little woozy. Right. They're going to feel a little woozy. So just, and I've seen that maybe a, a handful of times. So you want to be careful with that. But L-citrulline, a lot of bang for your buck. A lot of bang for your buck. Uh, what L-citrulline does is kind of, uh, it, it keeps arginine available. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't get um, metabolized. Um, so I like L-citrulline for arginine purposes, more so than oral arginine itself. Hmm. Okay, so you think, arginine will be metabolized and eliminated or used elsewhere, but citrulline Correct. keeps sort of like a background stash for, for yeah, use. That's okay. right. Okay. That's right. That, that, that enzyme arginase is in the mm-hmm. liver and in the gut. Yeah. And so then it's highly active and um, uh, citrulline kind of bypasses that and just keeps enough arginine in the system. Okay, good. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I like maca. Maca is maca is uh, from the family of broccoli, and it's, it's like a crucifer, uh, actually, chemically, uh, chemically wise. And so these glycosylinates and things of this like promote sulfur, sulforaphane and things like this that benefit as well uh, with regards to maca. Um, sexuality, I think it's fine. I think that it's uh, overly hyped. But let me just take my maca, and that's it. I'm going to be a stallion. Um, it's not quite there in that regard, but I think it does, it can promote and, and it can, it can help with testosterone production, not only in men, but in women as well. Uh, I've read and research um, that it helps with uh, increasing testosterone in women. My issue with, um, with maca is that you need a lot of it. So when you see a formula with it, there's not enough of it there. You need like, a, you need about a thousand milligrams, like two to three times a day. Um, so that becomes a little bit tricky. So you need a, a decent, so I added to smoothies and things like that. Okay. Um, so you recommend a powder and you just I adjust do. it that way. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I do. I do. I'll, I'll end with this cause we could go on omega-3 fatty acids. We were talking about that before. I think it's top 10. I think these EPA, oh, DHA, super wait, wait, beneficial. Wait. Let me just ask you about maca before this train leaves the station. Yeah. Would you use it in place of like dienyl methane if you're looking at estrogen metabolites or, I mean, might, mm. would, would maca do the trick um, for, mm. for cleaning up, you know, steroid hormone metabolism? I mean, what are your... Mm. No, I think dim. I think dim. Uh, I would. I, I would and do use dim for okay. that purpose, as opposed sure. to maca. Or I would use both. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I don't think there's any research on it. I actually hadn't thought of it until you just I, I, gave a little no. background on it. Right. So. That's right. Okay. All that's right. right. Okay. So the, yeah, go go over to omega threes. Uh, omega threes. You look. I take. I, I myself take about eight pills a day of omega threes. Honestly, um, I, I, I think omega-3s are a great, great thing. Um, 
You got the EPA anti-inflammatory, good for blood vessels, good for heart. You got the DHA, amazing for the brain. I do feel better right now. COVID, uh, snow, uh, no sun, indoors. Man, I need a lot of DHA to keep me happy and vitamin D and other things. And so I do it. I have to take it. So um, I think it's super important. My kids take it. All my kids take it. My eight-year-old takes it. Um, and you know, I, I think, I think omega threes are super, uh, super important supplement. All right. So what are we, what are we going to do here? Were you going to, were you going to add anything to that? <laughs> oh, tell me no, your dose look, uh, for men, uh, mm-hmm. t- for men's health. How are you, how are you dosing yeah. EPA, DHA? What's your recommendation? So as a, as a combined omega three, we do two to four uh, grams a day Okay. as a combined omega three, two to four grams a day. Of course. That, you know, that depends on numerous factors. Uh, the size of the pill. Many men don't, don't care for that, but some do. And they say, well, these are horse pills. Um, and, and then just more quantity of pills. So a lot, as you know, some patients, look, I take, I don't know, I take about 26 pills twice a day myself. Mm-hmm. Some patients are not going to do that, right? No, it sort right. of depends on what their starting point is, what they're willing to do, what they want to do. And what therapeutic thing you, you you're trying to accomplish? So if I'm really if I'm really need to help them with their urinary problems and their pelvic pain or prostate cancer, I may have to do you know I don't know two grams of fish oil and really hit the curcumin hard, like with you know four grams a day or so or six grams a day, depending on what I'm trying to accomplish. So that's kind of the 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 approach there. You know, I, I'm going to say one more botanical. I could go on with this, by the way. I could, I'm going to say <laughs> one more botanical. I really, because this is, this is where I live in my head every day of my life. You know, anxiolytics for men, anxiolytic botanicals are very important. Why? I don't know. Every New Yorker is not a matter of your type A. It's a matter of your type A, you know, A1 or A2, because everybody's type A in New York. So they have, they're highly sympathetic with regards to their central nervous system. I think that is one of the things that is causing them to have urinary problems. So you need these anxiolytics uh, to kind of keep them calm. So what I would say is that things like um, uh, scutellaria is one, is one of my favorite and, and uh, Melissa uh, lemon balm. Uh, those are my two favorites within that regard. You get a lot of bang. That's an underrated botanical for men with urinary problems that I think men can use. Oh. Um, and then if they have prostatitis, I, we do, I do Kava and I learned that from, um, Eric Yarnell, who is amazing. Yep. Actually, he's probably the other men's health naturopath in the country. And, and, and he's a, you know, he's a herbal medicine guru. So, um, Kava is really, really good for men with prostatitis. Yeah. His textbook is out of this world if you can get it. I don't know if there's an updated one, but that was our urology textbook and it's great. It's really useful. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least yeah. it's a useful starting point. I know it's pretty old at this point, but it, uh, he has a new, uh, he has a newer version now. Okay. Good. Um, you know, it's interesting just kind of thinking about this protocol or at least some of your favorites, you know, men might be good candidates for, you know, some of the custom prepackaged um, supplement supplement companies out there, you know, so you can just do your grab and go packets and, you know, they, uh, ping us every once in a while, these companies. And I've, I've really never, I've used them rarely. Um, but I could see, I could see in terms of just 
making it easier something like that might be useful all right easier so it's funny you say that because that's actually what we within the next three months or so we're transitioning to at least at xy wellness with uh, uh with with packets are you really um, going to do that a, oh. yep 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 particularly because so the, what we're trying to do there is um particularly with prostate cancer there's kind of sort of three different types men on active surveillance men who've had treatment and men on hormone deprivation therapy so for each, we'll have a packet, and I think that'll be very, that'll be useful for them. Look, I, I open up, you know, all these bottles every day. It's a pain. It's a pain in the butt. Uh, there's no question about it. And and I feel like I'm a very motivated person. Somebody who's slightly less motivated, they're not going to do that, or they're going to struggle, even though that's the right thing for them to do. So we, I, you know, we're really kind of coming over to the. We're we're basically at the end. We've we've talked for about an hour I and we could we've got two we've, we could continue to go I've got lots of questions to ask you but I, mm -hmm. I think we need to do a part two um and but I also want to just again remind people of Dr. Gio's resources his website his books um he wrote a book on integrative sexual health at Ox through yeah. Oxford University Press and um again we'll you know we'll link to his um his work on the show notes but like what? Just what do I want to summarize? Sum up here with? I mean, do you want to? I don't know. Do you want to talk a little yeah, bit about? I'll give the audience us. a little bit of a summary here. Look, mm -hmm. here's the reality. I don't care if your clinic says the 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 Institute for Women's Health. You're going to see at least thirty percent men. Okay, that's where we're going with it. Why? Because men want what you have to offer as a integrated functional naturopathic doctor. Okay. So what, that's the trend that I'm seeing right now. You, even if it says, it, even if the title of your clinic is like for women's health, that particular office will see 30% men embrace it. Men are awesome. Men are loyal. What you're going to see is your female, your female patients will go to three different naturopaths. Men, you just if you're the if you're their doctor, you're their doctor. Period. End of story. Right. So I think you're gonna you, you'll enjoy it. Um, yes, you may feel like man, I don't know what to do with it. high PSA. Is this PSA higher? Embrace it. Um, consider me a, a resource. I, I drgeo.com. I think there's good information there. I've even gotten on the phone with a few. Of colleagues who are trying to figure things out. Not that I'm able to do with hundreds of people. So, so, but, but I think that, um, I think there's a decent amount of information or resources out there to get you going and to, for you to be successful with your male patients. Um, they're going to want your services, particularly if you've done good for their female spouse, what's going to happen naturally is, Hey, can you see my husband? Can you see my son? And I think you, I, th I think it, it would behoove you to embrace it. It's a wonderful group of people, uh, just in, in general, uh, as a gender, and um, and they need, and we we need we need good good healthcare and good doctors in general. So, well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's you know my experience doing um, working with some men. I mean, my practice is mostly women, but I do have a pretty you know I would say maybe thirty or a little bit above 30% men. And I agree. Yeah, it's been, it's, you know, I think there's much we can do and people who come here are motivated, you know, and interested mm -hmm. in this. Um, 
I do want to, I just want to circle back with you at some, in some other medium and, and, and have a discussion or do some writing on testosterone and prostate health. So uh, people listening, mm -hmm. just stay tuned for that. Um, we'll just, we'll, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll tap Dr. Gio on, on his thoughts there. I think it's, you know, important uh, for us and just, you've got a lot of pearls. So we'll keep the conversation going in another medium. Uh, thank you again for joining me today. It was just great to, to connect with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Kara. <laughs> Absolutely. And that wraps up another amazing conversation with a great mind in functional medicine. I am so glad that you could join me. None of this would be possible through the years without our generous, wonderful sponsors, including Integrative Therapeutics, Metagenics, and Biotics. These are companies that I trust and I use with my patients every single day. Visit them at integrativepro.com, bioticsresearch.com, and metagenics.com. Please tell them that I sent you and thank them for making New Frontiers in Functional Medicine possible. And one more thing, leave a review and a thumbs up on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're hearing my voice. Um, these kind of comments will promote New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, getting the word on functional medicine out there to the greater community. And for that, I thank you. Until next time.